St. Andrew is known around the world as the younger brother of Simon Peter, both disciples of Jesus, and as the patron saint of Scotland. St. Andrew's Day, on November the 30th, is the first of the trinity of winter festivals celebrating Scottish identity and culture that also includes Hogmanay, New Year's Eve, and Burns Night on January the 25th, when we celebrate the works of our national poet Robert or Rabbi Burns. I say we because despite my accent, I am a Scot, born of the clan MacNeil, originally from the remote Hebridean island of Barra. What's more, I was even supposed to have been christened Andrew, not after Scotland's patron saint per se, but after my father and his father and his father before him to maintain the unbroken line of firstborn sons called Andrew. In fact, many of the men in my father's wider family were also called Andrew. So many, in fact, that they had to have adjectival prefixes in order to distinguish between them. There was Big Andrew, Wee Andrew, even Tiny Andrew, although he was in actual fact a giant of a man, nevertheless given the nickname as a joke by Daft Andy. It must have been a bit like the film Spartacus with Kirk Douglas, where the Roman soldiers have quashed the rebellion by the slaves and are now trying to identify their ringleader in order to make an example of him where he stands up and acknowledges his identity in order to spare others from crucifixion, only for those others to stand up one by one and proclaim that they too are Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. I'm Andrew. I'm Andrew. No, I'm Andrew. By the time she was introduced to Red Andrew, Red on account of his hair, not his politics, my middle-class English mother revolted and insisted on naming me Simon. Why Simon, I don't really know, and she cannot remember. But subconsciously, she may have been thinking of St. Andrew's older brother, Simon Peter. Now, how St. Andrew came from being a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee to the North Sea to become Scotland's patron saint is at least a little clearer. As Simon's younger brother, he was not the firstborn, but as the first of Jesus' disciples and apostles, he is known in the Orthodox Christian tradition as the first called Andrew itself actually means manly or valour, not in Hebrew, although it was a common enough name among Jews at the time, but in Greek, and the Hellenic cultural connection may have been one reason why after Christ's crucifixion, Andrew travelled north from the Holy Land to preach the gospel, for which he too was eventually martyred by crucifixion at the city of Patras in western Greece. In life, Andrew didn't come close to reaching what is now Scotland, but in death he would arrive at the shores of the North Sea as a result of visions that appeared to two men. In the first of these, three centuries after Andrew's crucifixion on November the 30th AD 60, the Roman Emperor Constantine, himself a Christian and devotee of St Andrew in particular, ordered that the saint's bones be moved from Patras to his new capital city of Constantinople, now modern-day Istanbul in Turkey. Before the order could be carried out, however, a monk who had become known as Saint Rule had a dream in which an angel told him to take what bones of Andrews he could find to the ends of the earth for safekeeping. Saint Rule duly raided St Andrew's tomb and together with six nuns and monks fled by boat westwards across the Mediterranean. After a long, difficult voyage at sea, St Rule and his companions were shipwrecked on the east coast of Scotland. Taking this to be the ends of the earth, prophesied in his dream, he deposited the stolen relics at what is now the university and golf town of St Andrews on the Fife coast. Today, St Rule's Tower still stands among the ruins of St Andrew's Cathedral, a great centre for pilgrimage during the Middle Ages. But the whereabouts of the relics is unknown, and they may well have been destroyed during the Scottish Reformation. 
When Pope Paul VI visited Scotland in 1969, he bestowed further relics of St Andrew on the nation with the words, St Peter gives you his brother. These relics are now on display in a reliquary in St Mary's Catholic Cathedral in Edinburgh. 500 years after St Rule washed up on the shores of Scotland, in AD 832, Angus II, King of the Scottish Picts, faced battle against a far larger army of Saxons at Athelstainford, also near Edinburgh. By now, a tradition had grown up that St Andrew had been crucified on a cross in the shape of an X, or saltire, now commonly known as a St Andrew's Cross. This was at his own request because he deemed himself unworthy to be crucified on the same style of cross as Jesus. Now, on the eve of the battle against the Saxons, King Angus was dazzled by a blinding light in the night, and he later dreamt that a cross would appear in the sky as a sign that he would defeat his enemies. The next morning, a white diagonal cross formed by clouds appeared in the blue sky. Filled with confidence, Angus and his men triumphed over the Saxons, after which they adopted the flag of St Andrew. Since then, St Andrew has been celebrated in Scotland for over a thousand years, with feasts held in his honour on the anniversary of his death as far back as the year 1000 AD. However, it wasn't until 1320, when King Robert the Bruce and his nobles signed their names to the Declaration of Arbroath, calling for the Pope to recognise Scotland's independence, that the Vatican confirmed St Andrew as the nation's patron saint. The Scottish diaspora in the 18th and 19th centuries saw Scots scatter to the four corners of the earth as explorers, soldiers and administrators of the British Empire, doctors and engineers, financiers and farmers, and teachers and traders. The number of people claiming to be of Scottish descent currently stands at around 50 million people, and across the world you will find St Andrew's societies celebrating their Scottishness. The first of these was the St Andrew's Society of Charleston in South Carolina, founded in 1729 by a group of wealthy Scottish immigrants anxious to celebrate their Scottish roots. This was followed by the St Andrew's Society of the State of New York in 1756, and other examples include Montreal in Canada in 1835, the Selangor St Andrew's Society of Malaysia in 1887, and more recently in Russia in 1993. And while serving at the British Embassy in Japan, I was honoured to be a committee member of the St Andrew's Society of Yokohama and Tokyo. And recently, a number of my former colleagues shared with me happy memories of enjoyable, energetic evenings spent dancing and drinking in far-flung places ranging from Azerbaijan to Trinidad and Tobago, and including Ethiopia, India, Mauritius, Pakistan and Uganda. In all, I estimate that on November the 30th, St Andrew's Night will be celebrated by over 200 such societies in more than 40 countries. And it is not just as a result of the Scottish diaspora that St Andrew's Night is celebrated these days around the world. For before he met his end at Patras, St Andrew travelled extensively through the lands around the Black Sea and along the Dnieper River as far as Kiev. As a result, St Andrew has also been adopted as the patron saint of Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Greece and Cyprus. St Andrew is even the patron saint of Barbados, which chose November the 30th as the day to mark its independence from the United Kingdom in 1966, since when two pieces of sugarcane in the shape of a St Andrew's cross feature on the Caribbean nation's coat of arms. This year, on St Andrew's Day, Barbados will go one step further and become a republic, replacing the Queen as head of state in the presence of His Royal Highness Prince Charles. 
and in the picturesque port of Amalfi on the southwest coast of Italy, where some of his relics are also said to rest in the magnificent Cathedral of St. Andrew, the saint's silver statue is carried in procession through the streets and squares. The connection with St. Andrew has led to many traditions in Eastern Europe too, concerning visions of the future, and in particular, foretelling the names of young women's husbands. For example, in Poland on the night before St. Andrew's Day, St. Andrew's Eve, or Andrzejewski, one of the most popular traditions is for a young woman to pour hot wax through the bow or handle of an old-fashioned key into a bowl of cold water. The shape the wax takes is believed somehow to resemble her future partner. Other rituals involve a group of girls taking their shoes off, lining them up in a single file, and moving that line of shoes one at a time through the house until they reach the front door. Traditionally, the owner of the first shoe to cross the threshold will be the first to get married. And in Ukraine, where St. Andrew's Day is celebrated on the 13th of December, pancakes and pastries are used in fortune-telling games supposed to help women find a husband. And in the Czech Republic, the baking of the haluski, a traditional potato dumpling covered with sheep cheese and topped with a good dose of bacon and bacon dripping, is also said to predict the names of husbands. Women write down several suitors' names and place them in the dough. When the haluski is baked, the first name to rise to the surface is the name of the man the woman will marry. According to German folklore, if single women who wish to marry sleep naked on the night before St. Andrew's Day, they will see their future husbands in their dreams. They are also advised to note the location of barking dogs on St. Andrew's Eve, as their future husbands will come from that direction. And in some parts of Romania, it is customary for a young woman to put 41 grains of wheat under their pillow before falling asleep. If the young woman dreams of somebody stealing the grains, she will get married in the course of the coming year. In other parts of the country, young women light a candle from Easter and take it at midnight to a fountain where they ask St. Andrew to let them glimpse their future husband. For her part, my mother didn't need to seek St. Andrew's help to find a husband. My father and her were high school sweethearts and always likely to marry. What she didn't predict, however, was that I would be the first of four boys. And having made her stand over my name, she relented and on the arrival of her second son, allowed him to be named Andrew. So I wasn't named after my father, nor after Scotland's patron saint. But I share my name with Simon Peter, and like him, I too have a younger brother, Andrew. And as my mother will testify all too willingly, neither of us are saints.